Thank you. Um, yeah. Can we? Uh, can you tell us a, a couple of things? Uh, actually, I'd like to follow up with um, the idea of whether this last juncture, which you know is about four months away from us right now, except that mm. it, it, it just feels that things froze uh, at some level. Did this juncture uh, after Aleppo? Did does it represent a a break? between uh, the uh, rebel factions, uh, or at least most of them, and the uh, the uh, what is called the civilian opposition. And I'm not talking about the opposition inside Syria, basically a mm. large number of people and groups who are uh, not necessarily formally represented, but the opposition uh, that is mostly... Uh, uh, outside Syria or connected to uh, various uh, patron countries, whether it's mm. Qatar, Saudi Arabia, the United States, or or otherwise, like the National Coalition. So. That, yes, like the National Coalition yeah. and and others who, uh, but mainly that. If, did this juncture represent a some sort of a, a break? And and if you have any uh, insights on on how this is viewed. Uh, by internal groups that uh, might have actually put their uh, hope in uh, in uh, the rebel factions, even if they did not support them ideologically, uh, right. and because that's always a messy thing, people always claim to to be able to speak for um, uh, sometimes all Syrians, sometimes most Syrians, and we are all somewhat uh, guilty of this. But yeah. but but there, there's there is something to be said about the kind of support that people have in Syria for different sides, that is not a wholehearted support or a uh, uh, an absolute support uh, whereby you know the regime is, uh, you know, hor- hor- horrifically problematic, mm. but people living under it feel, or certain groups and, and communities feel at least more protected than uh, if they had been living under other, uh, you know, uh, groups or factions. And sure. then on the other side, people, you know, end up supporting Ahrar Sham, uh, thinking or hoping there might be some sort of victory down the line, yeah. uh, but not really supporting everything that Ahrar Sham uh, stands for, let alone Jabhat al-Nusra or Jabhat Fatah sham So, um, you know, notwithstanding these kinds of uh, uh, gray area uh, positions, uh, has there been a a, a a rupture in the civilian military um, or you know connection uh, if it ever had ever been uh, solid? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I I um, well, I think I mean the the as you say, people support the different sides for many many reasons. Uh, and that goes for both the government side and the the opposition side, and of course also the YPG and the Islamic State and all all, all of the sides. Um, but I think the I mean the relevance of the national coalition and the higher negotiating committee and and these exile bodies uh, was not primarily because they had popular support. You know, to an extent they did have popular support as do all parties of the war, but, but, um, I, I mean, their real relevance was that foreign governments that were involved in the war and backed certain rebel factions told these rebel factions that you have to be represented abroad by these, by the national coalition and by these groups. And they would put them in Geneva and to negotiate. And then they would sort of use these groups as their negotiating, 
you know, we want these Syrians to be in the the uh, uh, the unity government or the transitional body, whatever they envisioned. We don't want Ahrar al-Sham to, to sort of take over. And the problem, I think, is, I mean, even if the national coalition members and leaders and other exile opposition groups or even groups inside Syria and some of the armed rebel factions connected to them, uh, those many of those using the, the Free Syrian Army flag or symbols, um, even if they persist uh, with the same, you know, they, they still support the same values, they still support the same um, solutions and, and, and they, they stick to their rhetoric and so on. I mean, they don't have a chance of getting anywhere with that without the foreign support because they were very, very dependent on 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 that support uh, from the United States, France, Great Britain, and uh, also Turkey, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia, although those countries also supported other groups, more Islamist groups. So, I mean, if, if, if they're no, no longer considered useful to these governments, and I don't think they are anymore, they will eventually be, be cast aside or, or just let, left to, 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 you know, fade away. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure there was, there's been a rupture. It's just that, that these groups, if they don't have a role to serve, then no one will support them in the end. Um, and, and I think the, uh, the, the, the tipping point, which I would argue happened earlier, was, was sort of, um, symbolized by the fall of Eastern Aleppo to the government. I think that tipping point has sort of made it clear to, to all involved that, there won't be, you know, uh, Assad will not be defeated militarily, and there will also not be a situation where you pressure him so hard that he sort of agrees to to a political solution that will involve these groups. From this point on, some other it won't be a transition in Syria, and without a transition, these groups have no, you know, raison d'être. There, there's no point of having them anymore. And that, that that that's in some way disconnected from from how much popular support they have, or you know how well or not well they've been able to convince rebel groups to support them. Um, I think I think it's more a function of that actually, if that makes sense. Yes, um, thank you. Uh, I uh, before we move on to something a bit more, uh, uh, I guess, analytical. Uh, I'd like to ask you if uh, you can share with us uh, just briefly, uh, if we go quickly through the uh, different actors supporting the regime uh, and uh, or the opposition, uh, whether it's the uh, Arab Gulf states, Turkey, the United States, Iran, uh, Hezbollah, uh, Russia, China, mm. and others. If you can just uh, you know give us from where you stand, um, especially that in, you're in Europe, so you're you're in a good place in the, uh, geographically uh, right. <laughs> to, to be able to see those uh, kinds of dimensions. If you can tell us, uh, you know, wh where, how do you think, uh, although you've touched on that a bit, how do you think uh, things have changed uh, today? We're talking uh, uh, on May 1st, uh, several months after after December. And maybe we are putting a bit too much emphasis on December and, and Aleppo, but it's really, uh, it's simply a, a landmark rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. anything else. Yeah. 
Well, I think, I mean, it's, all of this has been happening for many years, you know. Um, I think, for example, the United States, the position of, of the Obama administration evolved a lot between like 2012 and 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 uh, 2000, even 2013, 2014. I mean, they... There was, I mean, the the uh, the United States went into the conflict thinking that Assad would fall on his own somehow, or maybe they could nudge him a little bit and he would fall, and then something would happen, and then they would transition would magically take place. And then gradually realized that this was not happening, and 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 Obama didn't want to get too involved, but he also wanted to sort of shape the opposition in ways that would, you know. Uh, so the United States position has it, it, it's shifted a lot over, over time, I think. And but you've also seen that the, the position of U.S. allies shifting, um, uh, with with uh, Turkey being the most the clearest example, I think, when they really did uh, change their policy in 2016, and that that I think was one of the big tipping points of the war. Um, but um, I mean, also like the, the the Saudi government, for example, they're still you know they still hate Bashar al-Assad and they want him gone. But but they they're also busy doing stuff in Yemen. They're busy doing other things. Um, so it's 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 a I think generally, as I said before, I think that the opposition side especially has moved more and more toward sort of looking out for their own interests in Syria after realizing that they wouldn't achieve what they set out to do. And that can take different forms and so on. And, 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 and they're not willing to talk about it publicly because there's no point in handing Assad and Putin and Khamenei a free concession by saying that, you know, Assad can stay. The Trump administration did this to, to some extent. Now they said basically that, you know, we still think Assad should go, but we're not going to spend a lot of time trying to achieve that anymore. We have other priorities now. So um, on the on the on the government side, the pro-government side, I think, um, you know, what do I know? But <laughs> but but it seems to me that interests there and 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 policies there have been pretty consistent all along. Uh, the Iranian government really wants the Assad, the you know the the regime, the regime, the, the Assad family and so on to stay, because it's a, it's a huge part of their their uh, regional security infrastructure uh, because of Hezbollah and Lebanon and so on. Um, and the Russian government, you know, it's been a it's been interesting to watch how Western governments have always sort of uh, the U.S. In, 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 in particular, I think, has tried to sort of they 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 really wanted Russia to work for a transition in Syria, and they really wanted Russia to do this and that and get Assad out, and maybe they can push him out or convince him or launch a coup from the inside or something or something. But the Russians have, you know, they've formally they've said they're committed to. You know, they don't want regime change. They want an orderly solution and so on. But in practice, they've, they've been working to save the regime, like the Iranians, because they're also locked into this. You know, the, the, the Russians, they're not magicians. They're, uh, they, they, they can tip the war in Assad's advantage, and they have. But I don't think the Russian government can, you know, go into the sort of the 
internal functioning of the Syrian government and, and get you know, sort of surgically remove Assad and his family and his cronies from power without destroying it and without provoking Iran. And they need Iran and they need Assad to 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 win the war. And that's their that's their goal. So they're trying to win the war. And that means supporting Assad, um, whatever they say publicly. And so far, they've been doing pretty well at that. I mean, they are <laughs> they are winning the war insofar as the war can be won. And I think it's more a it's uh you know how their strategy will evolve i think depends largely on how well the regime sticks together and functions and how much territory it can take with support from them um i mean they don't necessarily have an interest in recapturing every centimeter of syria um putin has shown very clearly i think that he's comfortable with having these frozen conflicts and sort of half uh, half-finished wars, and whether it's in Georgia or you know, even you know many many places around Russia's own borders, and I'm sure he's he's fine with having that in Syria as well. Assad might like to have support until he retakes every grain of, of Syrian territory, but that's not necessarily where Putin is going. I think, but but we're not even close to that point yet. You know, they they still have to. Uh, shore up Assad, you know, get rid of the the last rebel areas around Damascus and Homs, and, and and deal with the Idlib region in some way, and sort of push the foreign backers of the opposition even harder until they back off even more from the war, um, and then they can, you know, maybe Russia can start to sort of recalibrate its priorities in Syria. But but so far they're with they're with Assad, and they're they're sticking with him until they. They've uh, they've crossed that threshold. I think this is my you know it's no one I'm not privy to <laughs> to 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 the internal deliberations in the Kremlin or in in, in Washington D.C. So, but this is my reading of the situation.